What's up guys, welcome back to the committee, your home of college football. We got a quick one here today as we are uh, breaking down the week 8 college football slate. Uh, you know, there wasn't too many fantastic games going into the week, but it turned out we had some close ones with some top teams, and we had some upsets, but week 9 we will have much better games to go on, so... We're not going to be talking about those yet. This is going to be a quick one, just doing our top live 15 uh, and talking a little bit about the uh, games that we've just had. And on Friday, I'm going to hopefully be getting out my predictions as well as um, another episode in which we preview week nine, which includes very big matchups. All right. Very, very important games coming up in week nine. So, without further ado, let's get into the top 10. Coming in at number 10, someone who I would never in my life have guessed would make it to the top 10 of the committee, and that is Wake Forest. Uh, Demon Deacons are looking good. They're 7-0. They got a pretty tough schedule remaining, as we've talked about, but... Uh, and they've just scored 70 on Army, which 70 isn't even the most impressive part of that. The most impressive part is that they scored 70 points with 17 minutes of possession, uh, which is incredible. Um, 70 points, and you don't even have the ball for 20 minutes. Uh, in comparison, let's see, SMU put up 55 on Tulane, and of course, SMU's offense is one of the best in the country, and they shredded Tulane. Um SMU had the ball for 34 minutes, and they scored 55 points. Uh, and they, SMU had uh, 600 yards of offense in that game and 31 first downs. So just seeing how that was put up by SMU and then Wake Forest putting up 70 points in just 17 minutes. Um is pretty impressive. Wake Forest's lowest scoring game of the season so far is 35. Uh, so that you know they know how to point put put points on the board, obviously. Um, and you know that's what the service academies are going to do. That's what Army's going to do is hold the ball pretty much the whole game. And Wake Forest did not let that phase them. Putting still managing to put up 70 whole points this is an understatement of a fantastic offensive showing uh in a game that i think should have been talked about more uh but that boosts wake force into our top 10 uh jumping on the bye iowa and kentucky also benefiting from those penn state and oklahoma state losses coming in at number nine we've got oregon so the ducks were featured on game day this past week uh, as they played UCLA at the Rose Bowl. And Oregon seemingly nearly found out a way to lose the almost found out a way to lose this game to a backup quarterback. Um, Oregon still has plenty of questions re- regarding their team. And I don't... Currently, I don't have the most faith in Oregon, but... They seem to be, in a way, almost failing upwards. Uh, although, I guess they aren't failing. They've only lost one game, so can't really put too much on it. But 
the Ducks are going to have to improve from here on out. Uh, I don't think they are playing their best ball right now, and I don't think uh, Mario Cristobal is happy with the performances they're putting up. Um, but again, a one their one loss to Stanford, Pac-12 loss. Uh, so, of course, I guess they'd rather have the loss to Ohio State in the scheme, the grand scheme of things in terms of Pac-12 play. But if they can get to the championship game regardless, it won't matter. Uh, really, from what I'm looking for the rest of the season for the Ducks here is to uh, do do their best controlling what they can. And I, would, I will say uh, I don't expect them to finish as a one-loss team headed into bowl season i expect they probably will pick up another loss uh but that that would definitely be the most i'd say if they pick up more than one more loss then sorry duckies it's all over whatever you were aspiring is gone if they go 11 and 2 they still should be headed to the rose bowl uh i don't think the pac-12 is going to give them the rest of the pac-12 isn't really going to argue with them too much maybe arizona state will have something to say we'll see we'll see coming at number eight we have ole miss one of the highest scoring offenses in the country but uh in my top 15 is giving up the most points per game with 28.3 now they still have a 13.6 uh point differential margin uh which is not too terrible uh, it's not among the elite elite, but it is pretty pretty good comparatively. Um, but really, the Rebels are going to have to try and put together as many stops as they can. Really, for them, it's all about uh, control the game with their offense and then force the... Uh, well, not force, but have their defense be able to get off the field multiple times. Uh, and if they can whip that formula up and consistently use use that and succeed with that uh i think Ole Miss has a decent chance you know they could finish in a one-loss team uh it's not too unlikely it's not too out of their uh remaining on their schedule is they they're at uh jordan hare this week playing auburn uh but besides that you've got a&m at home uh, they do still have to play Liberty next week, who Liberty, uh, if you don't know, is a pretty good team, um, and they're not someone to be taken lightly. They've got a fantastic quarterback there, Malik Willis, uh, formerly of Auburn, which is interesting that they play in Auburn this week, and Texas A&M the week after that, then ending it in Starkville uh, after Vandy. So really on this schedule, Ole Miss has a good chance to go 11-1. and um, I would not say it's more than 50. If it were a 50-50 ball, you know, maybe uh, it would be leaning the other way. But the Rebels could certainly uh, end the regular season 11-1, which would find themselves in a fantastic position to go to uh, any bowl game that the selection committee would like to put them, you know, that would probably be leading them into the Sugar Bowl there. Uh, which I think they would be pretty dang happy with, um, considering they're in the SEC West. So there's definitely no complaints there from uh, the Rebels. Coming in at number seven, uh, a big, big time team this week that we must talk about is Michigan State. Michigan State coming off a bye. 
uh, under Mel Tucker, second-year coach, looking fantastic. They've got a good D. They've got a good O. They've got Kenneth Walker at running back um, hosting the Wolverines this week, which is college game day. Uh, but it is an 11 o'clock kick, so that kind of sucks for them that uh, they got game day and they got the 11 o'clock click kick. But I'm not, I'm sure they're not complaining too much because an undefeated matchup for the Paul Bunyan Trophy is cool regardless. Uh, the Spartans, as we have pretty much picked up on every single episode because it is just so obvious, uh, this dang Big Ten East, man, you got to run that gauntlet. Uh, now, Penn State, of course, just fell. And I guess we'll talk about them a little bit here as they ha- are obviously not in the top ten anymore, uh, picking up their second loss of the season to Illinois in nine overtimes uh, in which former Michigan quarterback Brandon Peters came in uh, in relief for Archer Sitkowski as he got hurt in the overtimes. And Illinois was still able to win um, this was a pathetic performance from Penn State, and based on what we saw from Penn State this week, it makes you wonder if, you know, would they really have beaten Iowa with Sean Clifford? I don't know. Not what Penn State was looking for headed into the Ohio State game at all. Uh, I, I mean, it's pretty much the only acceptable um, reasoning, not that it is a good excuse or a good reason, um, really the only the only reason you could see how they possibly lost this game is looking ahead to Ohio State, which I do not um, think is too unreasonable for them to do because, you know, you're not really going to worry too much about a home game against Illinois when you're a top-five team and you're about to go into Columbus at in a primetime game, and they blew it. They blew it. Now they're number 20. I mean, it's pretty sad for them, for Penn State. Uh, yeah, I'm, you don't even let, let yourself get the chance to get in the position. We I've been talking about uh, every week now this Big Ten East race, how tight it's going to be, and now Penn State has – Penn State is out of this race. Um no other way around it. Uh, they still, still, even with their two losses, have to play all three of the gauntlet teams, Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State, two of which are on the road. Uh, Penn State is out of this. Sorry for the Nittany Lions. Now, that does not mean they can't cause havoc. That does not mean they can't beat Ohio State this week. Um and certainly they could win two of those three games and mess around with uh, other teams. You know, it's I know that this Penn State team is a better team than they showed against Illinois, uh, but it's unfortunate uh, that they played like dog and picked up a pretty much, I mean, playoff hope terms. Yeah, pretty much a detrimental L there. Uh, now, of course, no two-loss team has ever made it, but I guess uh, if any two-loss team were to make it, it wouldn't be a bad year to be in the Big Ten East. Uh, so I'll say that, Penn State. Um, good luck to the Nittany Lions the rest of the way, but uh, unacceptable, unacceptable. 
speaking of unacceptable, James Franklin just today has said in a press conference on Zoom, I was, it was a Zoom press conference, I believe, uh, that they are look the, the Nittany Lions are looking forward to or they're you know planning to play Illinois, who they just lost to, and that and he also said that they're excited to play in the Big House this week, which by the way, if you're not familiar, is Michigan Stadium, not the Horseshoe Columbus, uh, not Ohio Stadium. So he called Ohio Stadium the Big House, which. If you know any any literally anything about Big Ten football, you would say, all right, so, well, that's wrong. Uh, you know, maybe he slipped up, whatever. But then he also said they were looking ahead to play Illinois. So, I mean, for some, <laughs> for, for as we said, someone who we, a program we considered who was looking ahead at Ohio State after playing Illinois, apparently not. Apparently he has no knowledge that they're even playing Ohio State because he doesn't know the stadium they're playing at and he doesn't even remember they're playing them. Uh, is Franklin headed to USC? I could certainly see it. Um, and if I'm going to be honest, based on the looks of this press conference, uh, and also does Franklin have belief in his team to I don't know go 10 and 2 the rest of the way and make a New Year's 6 game not sure so if I were to place money on it right now I would say James Franklin will be the next USC head coach just based on this little this little mistake um, but I think it's more telling than it may first seem at, at an eye's glance uh, that's not really I don't really find it as something acceptable to do as uh, for the coach. Um, so I'd be careful there, Penn State fans. Your boy might be leaving soon. Could be coming in at number six, the Crimson Tide. So Bama put up an interesting performance against Tennessee as the game stayed tight uh, into the third quarter. Um and it was actually, I thought, uh, was going to head head to the wire. It seemed like a game that was uh, going that way. Uh, and then, of course, in the fourth quarter, Alabama outscored Tennessee 28-7 to um, as they headed into the fourth quarter with a uh, seven-point lead. Uh, so, you know... Sucks, sucks for the all the viewers around the country who were rooting for that loss. Uh, we didn't end up getting it, but it may come soon. It may come soon. We'll see. Uh, Bama's got a bye this week. Um, Saban's probably going to whipping them up back into shape, getting them all good to go, uh, ready to rock and roll to hit the rest of the schedule hard, finish 11-1, and hopefully beat Georgia for them. Uh, if I'm going to be honest, honestly, everyone wants Bama to lose. But uh, will they? I don't know. I, I don't know that that's going to happen until maybe the dogs see him. Speaking of the dogs, there's seemingly a debate between the mailman, Stetson Bennett, and JT Daniels. Uh, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Personally, I believe JT to be the better quarterback um, from what I've seen of both of them. Uh, JT Daniels seems to be someone who can 
really expand the Georgia offense and help them make the big plays they need to make to compete with Bama and whatnot. Although, of course, I mean, their defense is phenomenal. Uh, not like they need much more. Uh, but I think I would take the potential of the explosion potential of his offensive game over Stetson Bennett. So there's my two cents on it. Coming in at number five, we have the Sooners of Oklahoma. Oklahoma put up a devastating performance this week uh, against Kansas on the road in Lawrence. Uh, pretty much the hardest place to play in the country. Shout out of that half by Kansas. I mean, come on. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what the problem is with the Sooners. Again, it could be sort of like the Penn State looking ahead, though uh, it's not that Oklahoma plays a tough team this week or anything but just looking ahead to the rest of the season maybe getting ahead of themselves uh thinking that caleb's got everything in the bag everything's all good to go uh the sooners have a tough slate remaining um no cakewalk really uh as they still have to play baylor iowa state and oklahoma state and there's gonna i mean there's there's got to be change to made to be made uh the tackling is abysmal um, Caleb Williams' interception was uh, just it, it was it, it sucked to see because it's you know it's really what you'd expect from a true freshman, uh, but it was a just a pretty terrible play. He now if he wanted to hit that ball to Hazelwood, uh, had he thrown it a little bit earlier, maybe there was a shot at a completion, but he had a wide open Kennedy Brooks check down for at least 25 yards it seemed uh out in the flat so you've he's got to know when to take his throws of course uh i'm ever as as everyone knows i'm not a big check down guy myself but there's certain situations where it's got to be taken uh and that was one of them uh now of course he made that bonehead play and yet made a phenomenally intelligent play to take the ball from Kennedy Brooks on fourth down and barrel it over the first down line to uh, seemingly ice the game in the fourth quarter against Kansas in the fourth quarter against Kansas up five in the fourth quarter against Kansas um, yeah and the running touchdown was great too but just a bad performance from the Sooners they're still undefeated uh, but there is definitely cause for concern in Norman. Uh, the defense is not at all what anyone thought it would be. Um, it is a, heavi a heavily underperforming defensive unit. Uh, so the Sooners have Texas Tech this week. Um, you know, won't really be too much a test. Should, should be a pretty easy game. Um, of course, so should Kansas, but uh, <laughs> that didn't happen. We'll see how it goes. Uh, though Texas Tech has just fired head coach Matt Wells, uh, so no real head coach. Coming off a terrible game against Kansas, I pray that Lincoln has just been screaming all week after this, uh, and I hope that the Sooners can get off their butts and put in a good shift this week. Coming in at number four, 
we got the Michigan Wolverines, who, as we talked about, are taking on Michigan State in East Lansing this week for the battle, Paul, the Paul Bunyan Trophy. And frankly, uh, for a top, potentially for a top three spot in the country, um, I've got Michigan here at number four and Michigan State at number seven. Uh, and Michigan State surely would be a top five team with the win. Michigan already is a top five team in the in the committee's rankings here. Uh, now, of course, in the in the uh, AP poll right now, they both sit at six and nine. But next week, I haven't actually mentioned this yet. Uh, if you guys did not know, the first CFP playoff committee poll is coming out next Tuesday. Um, so I'm going to be doing my rankings just before those come out. I'm going to try to get the rankings out to you and then do a reaction podcast right after that. Uh, we'll see how they gauge the winner of this game of Michigan-Michigan State. Uh, and Michigan has um, not won a top 10 game on the ro- or not won a ranked game on the road in quite a, quite a while. Uh, so this is going to be very important for the Wolverines to pick this up in East Lansing. Um, I'm really excited to see this game. Uh, Just like the Ohio State-Penn State game, it's going to be really fun. Speaking of, coming in at number three, Ohio State. They've been rolling recently. C.J. Stroud is looking like the uh, prospect that he was billed to be before the season. And, again, the Buckeyes, no losses yet in the conference, so they still control their own destiny. Uh, One loss Buckeye team with a loss to Oregon will certainly get to the playoffs if, if that was the case. Uh, no way around it, obviously. Um, they've got to be careful not to uh, maybe overlook Penn State themselves this week as maybe they're uh, going to be thinking Penn State is a little bit weaker coming off the loss to Illinois. That game is going to be at a primetime game. They're going to be wearing all reds, all scarlet, so looking forward to seeing that uh, as much as I... I'm, I'm not the biggest Ohio State fan, I must say. Uh, I do really like their uniforms, sadly. Uh, so, there you go. Cincinnati coming in at number two. They maintain their spot. This is the first game they have struggled in this year. Um, but besides this, I mean, you've got to look at the whole body of work. Uh, Cincinnati has been a fantastic team who has just... Uh, hit a little bit of a rock in the road, and they're still moving on. They're playing at Tulane this week, so they'll have a comparable game to Oklahoma. Although, of course, the committee does not look at margin of victory, though I do believe they have said that they like to, you know, monitor game control. But they claim they don't, you know, they don't care if you win by five, you win by twenty-five. They don't really care. We'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see right for the first. Um, because it's the first CFP poll and they're playing two lanes, so they'll get that comparable game. Uh, that'll be really cool to see. Uh, the Bearcats, of course, don't have too tough a schedule remaining. However, they do have that matchup with undefeated SMU, who we talked about earlier, is looking electric. That one is going to be super fun. Speaking of, we've got Georgia-Florida this week as the number one dogs come off the bye to take on the Gators. Florida's a bit in shambles right now. Dan Mullen is just getting talked about negatively all around the country. Uh, not a good look for the Gators. I w- would expect um, if Kirby, you know Kirby, I would expect turn this team up. They've got the bye. They're ready. Uh, they, you know, this is a good time for them to move, transition from 
that beginning of the season feel to championship mode. That's why I'm also excited that Oklahoma gets that bye after this week. Um, championship November, baby. Uh, but the dogs, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they turned it up after the bye or not. Uh, just a quick one right now, I would say I think the dogs are going to roll Florida. Um, of course, it's not too tough a prediction to guess that the number one team in the country is going to roll a reeling team a reeling 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 team with potential coaching problems at the helm uh to round off there's the top 10 number one georgia number two cincinnati number three ohio state number four michigan number five oklahoma number six alabama number seven michigan state number eight ole miss number nine oregon number 10 wake forest and uh just for you guys number 11 we've got iowa off the bye off the loss can they bring it back? At Wisconsin this week, they are the underdog. Number 12, Kentucky at Mississippi State this week off the bye. Uh, remember, as we talked about previously, Kentucky has, a, just like Ole Miss, uh, a, a somewhat decent shot to finish that regular season 11-1. and one. So we'll be checking it out. Another team uh, who comes in at number 13 that also potentially has that same chance is Notre Dame, uh, who just beat USC last week, now has North Carolina up on the clock. Uh, which obviously North Carolina is not the team we thought they'd be this year. Coming at number 14, we got the Baylor Bears, also off the bye, hosting Texas this week. This is a massive game for Baylor and for Texas, frankly. Um, if Baylor can win this game, then they are going to be putting themselves in a fantastic position for the rest of the season, uh, especially in the Big 12 in Big 12 play. Coming at number 15, six and two Texas A&M. Uh, who has a bye this week. They dominated South Carolina last week. It was a fantastic performance from the Aggies, uh, who seem to be getting better um, and potentially could also finish that season on a roll. And trying, They're trying to look to go 10-2 and hit a New Year's Six game. Uh, just outside, by the way, we've got Oklahoma State, Penn State, Auburn, Pittsburgh, and SMU. Keep an eye out for all those fellas. And we are going to be talking about plenty of those teams. In fact, not not plenty. We'll talk about all those teams in our Week 9 preview podcast, which is going to be coming out on Friday. Uh, so you guys keep an eye out for that one uh, as we've got a big week of CFB coming up ahead. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you in the next one.